You're visiting the mom next door and our stories of faith. I'm glad you dropped by for a visit. Please stay a while and hear what the Lord has done in the lives of moms just like you and me. Hi, friends. Thanks for joining me on the Mom Next Door Stories of Faith. I'm Pam Fields, and I'm really excited to jump in with Jessie to talk about her road to motherhood. So for a matter of reference, this is the first time I've been able to talk with Jessie, but I do listen to her speak every week because she's the teaching leader of the satellite BSF group. That's Bible study fellowship group that I attend. I think you all know by now that stories really speak to my heart and allow me to understand scripture a little deeper. So when Jessie presents each lesson in her lectures and shares a little bit of her life, I'm able to see God's word a little clearer. So how about we jump right in? Jesse, you take over. Tell me about yourself and your family, how that formed and, and then greater, how it shapes your life. <laughs> um, no small question there, right, Pam? <laughs> um, I'm so glad to get to know you a little bit better this morning. And um, thanks for talking with me. My husband, Nick, and I have been married for 16 years now. We just celebrated our 16th anniversary. And before we even got married, we'd had conversations about um, just how we might like to dream about a family in the future. And so we both had kind of a heart for adoption and just knowing that in our desire to build a family one day, that there were also children that longed for families. Uh, and because of the brokenness of this world, they they might grow up without one. And so I think both of us just had compassion for that kind of situation. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if uh, any of your listeners are identifying with this, but a lot of times I describe kind of what brings us to adoption as lighter fluid. When I, when I grill out, you know, let's say I'm going to make some burgers on the grill. I um, am kind of a beginning griller. I'm not really skilled in building a fire. You know, I'm not, I, I only went so far in Girl Scouts, right? So um, I'm not going to have like my flint with the little, like whatever you do, I'm going to just pour some lighter fluid <laughs> on that um, newspaper to get my coal started. And um, a lot of times I kind of feel what brings us to adoption, what sparks that flame in our hearts for um, building a family through adoption isn't quite enough to, to sustain us through the journey of parenting. You know, I cannot sustain my, my fire to grill those burgers with lighter fluid. I'm going to have to build a fire. I'm going to have to build something on there that, that glows and um, lasts and is a little, maybe even a little more healthy in its fumes. <laughs> They're going to go up into my burgers. And so, uh, you know, truly, I think we can also get stuck in shame for what brings us to adoption. Uh, I think. I truly maybe had this lighter fluid uh, draw to rescue and thinking of adoption as uh, a, a way to help in the brokenness of this world. And I don't think that could have sustained me through the journey, though. So I would say probably a handful of years into our marriage, uh, when we started talking about building a family, Nick and I 
we're like, okay, we we're both working full time. We can save some money. We have a lot of energy. Why don't we just start with adoption? We could try building our family biologically and then circle back around to it. But, you know, we're young and full of energy. Let's do it now. You know, and, and so we, we did, we just kind of went for it with our first child. We ended up adopting through the country of Ethiopia and our, our daughter Rhett came home when she was about 17 months old in uh, 2011 and love that girl. She's in sixth grade now, if you can believe it. I mean, people say the days are long and the years are short and it's just true. <laughs> it's wild but it's been really, really fun walking with her as she grows up. And, um, and now I'm in those really exciting years of, of tween and preteen years. So uh, feel free. Maybe I need to get my email address and receive all kinds of advice. Hold on because nine through 12 year old girls, hold on. <laughs> yes. Pray for me. Pray for Jesse Ferris, please specifically <laughs> parenting in those preteen years, but yes. And then, uh, when Rhett was four and five, um, we were, it was kind of funny. We were talking about um, adding to our family through adoption again. And by then we had learned a lot. I mean, when you jump into adoption there, and really when you jump into a parenthood, and I know you all get this, there's just a lot to learn and a lot of sanctification that occurred through those years. And, and we were still learning, but uh, God was just kind of moving some pieces in place where we currently lived in a 900 square foot home. And we were like, okay, we, we probably need to like to move towards uh, getting out of this house that we rent and maybe buy our first home, maybe something a little bit larger so that there's room for everybody to spread out a little more. And so we started looking for houses and um, in the midst of all of that, we had what we lovingly refer to as a surprise adoption. And maybe you wouldn't think that that is possible, but we, <laughs> we had gotten home from a fall break trip. I had flopped on the bed to avoid uh, unpacking the car. My husband was uh, serving our family while he did that. <laughs> <laughs> and I did, you know, what anyone would do in in a productive use of their time and jumped on Facebook on my phone and saw a little girl's picture that someone was advocating for. And it, obviously that's not the first time that it ever happened to me, but uh, something about this face, I just could not get her face out of my mind. And I, when my husband came in, I was like, look at, look at this little girl. And he is very used, he was very used to kind of brushing off those those little, uh, interest, you know, uh, taps that I would do for him. Instead, he took the phone and looked at the picture and was like, she is adorable. Um, it was a little girl that they were looking for someone who was paper ready. She was in China she'd been born in China and, um, needed a liver transplant as soon as possible. And so they were looking for um, a family to place her in and receive medical care immediately as soon as they could. And I just couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake the idea of her out of my mind. And the Lord led me to kind of reach out to that adoption agency later that week with my, you know, when my husband was kind of feeling similarly, which y'all is, that was very out of the norm. Uh, very out of the norm. So yeah, from there, I mean, we can get back into that story if you want, but 
that led to the adoption of our youngest child, Brooklyn. And she came home when she was uh, 13 months old from China. And that was in 2015. She received a liver transplant a year later in 2016. And that's our family. We're, we're feeling pretty complete. We feel pretty good in a car right now, you know, four of us. And we've had dogs join us and then cross the, those rainbow bridges uh, at various times. But um, we're trucking along. Brooklyn's in second grade now and thriving in life. So that's been fun. That's the way the Lord's kind of grown our family through the years. That was a little surprise adoption. How long did that take from the time you saw her picture to the time she was in your home? <laughs> um, well, to give you context, you know, if, if you've adopted internationally, you know, it's not a quick process. And um, when we adopted Rhett, Ethiopia was actually just starting to undergo some major transformations in its program. So there was a slowdown that kind of hit us about a halfway through that process, it took about two years start to finish for Rhett to come home to our family. Brooklyn's adoption from the time I started the paperwork to the time we were holding her in China was 12 weeks. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fast prepare everything and, and make a big trip on top of it. I mean, I, I believe it was supernatural. I just adoptions don't happen that fast. They don't, even when they're medically expedited. So it was amazing to see what the Lord did during that time period. Okay. Now I heard rumor, you'll have to tell me if this is true, that you ended up on the local news, helicopter, (laughs) snowstorm, something like this. Tell me about that. Okay. So if, if Brooklyn's, uh, miraculous adoption was not crazy enough, um, when we got home with her, we, we have a great children's hospital here in Memphis, and we were expecting that the transplant would occur here. And we discovered the week after she came home to Memphis that our insurance would not cover a liver transplant, a pediatric liver transplant in Memphis. Um, they were going to have us choose from one of their designated centers of excellence it's just a health insurance thing. And so we kind of had to, now we're all very good in 2022 about pivoting, but that was, you know, uh, that was a major pivot for us back then in 2015. We looked at the list, prayed over the program, spoke to some people and ended up choosing a program in Chicago at Lurie Children's Hospital and went back and forth um, from Memphis to Chicago for about a year before we ended up getting a call. It was actually, Pam, I know you'll love this. I It was on a BSF day. I actually think, I think I stayed home with Brooklyn because she'd been sick recently, but was recovering and her immune system was really fragile back then. And um, anyways, I, I got a phone call and uh, our the person on the line who was in charge of coordinating that transplant said, we've got a perfect match for Brooklyn, but we're wondering if you want to try and get here. And I was like, why would we even, why would that be a question? Of course we want to get there. And he said, well, we're experiencing some weather that's shutting down the flights in surrounding Chicago. And they were having a blizzard. It, it, was funny. It wasn't even actually in Chicago. So it was snowing there, but the blizzard was really more right outside of Chicago. 
and it was shutting down the roads, shutting down flights. And so I immediately got on the phone, started trying to find a flight to Chicago. They were going to, they didn't really give us a time frame, but they were, they were saying if we could get there by that evening, they'd called me probably around noon. And they said, as soon as you can get here, the better, uh, because, you know, in the transplant world, there were multiple organs at play. And so they were trying to get everybody in place so that transplant could happen for everyone at the kind of relatively the same time window. So the, you know, I was on hold with the airlines for a long time. We tried going through a travel agent that wasn't working. And my husband started working on it had, we had some friends working on it. And for a little while, the best option was going to be to drive but we were really worried we would get up to the area and then not be able to get through with road closures. And, um, and obviously it's a lot of hours to drive from Memphis to Chicago. And so then we had an option where someone was going to able to charter a, a private flight and an anonymous donor was going to pay for it. That was pretty amazing. But the soonest they could get us there was by like 10 o'clock the next morning in the the program was really wanting us there earlier than that. So that was kind of our like, all right, worst case scenario, we can do this. And then in the meantime, we got a phone call from someone who was connected with FedEx. And um, they said, we've got a, a private corporate jet that the, the pilots actually just landed and they'll be happy to fly you to Chicago if you can get to the airport in 30 minutes. And so we grabbed all of our stuff and we went over and man, those pilots were so generous and the corporation was so generous to just let us board that plane because FedEx is kind of flying all the time. They're in charge of their planes and their flights and what they can and can't do. They're not under the rules of the international airports. And so um, they were able to decide, you know, we want to fly now, so we'll fly now. And so they flew us in that night. We got in by nine or 10 o'clock in the evening that night, and they were able to prep Brooklyn and get her ready for a transplant. She had the transplant the next morning. Pretty amazing. But because of the kind of miraculous way that unfolded, we made the news and of course, it's wonderful clickbait to tell people that a couple FedExed their kid for a transplant. So yeah, that's the way that all unfolded. I love that. And you know what, though, it does speak to, though, to the other things we were talking about before I hit record and how the Lord prepares us for things, how, mm -hmm. um, you know, the Holy Spirit works in our life in this. And the other thing you said, you know, at the beginning here, when we, when we were recording, how sometimes God gives you a vision and it could very easily just be a flash in the pan and, and fade away. but the Lord gives us that sustaining power, that sustaining vision. And, and he's always, you know, behold, I bring something new. Like he's always refreshing and renewing our insight to give us, well, I, if we could probably figure it out an analogy with your, the whole fire starter and the briquettes, oh, right? Sure. So he's always like continually, he gives us the fuel for that ignition to take mm -hmm. off and keep going 
through this. So how did you see the Lord? How, how have you seen that come back in your mothering experience? Well, Pam, I would say it was such a perfect way to begin parenting just out of this recognition that I could not do, I could not make this happen in my own strength that um, particularly with my second child's adoption. I mean, I, I could not have done anything to make that happen. Only the Lord and the supernatural ways that uh, like he just blew through every barrier. And so to recognize that I can't, and I need God, it's weird and like really trivial, but pretty early in, you know, the first couple of weeks that we were working on Brooklyn's paperwork, we, there was something that was happening in our house, you know, with an electronic that was wasn't working. And I feel silly saying it now, but I almost started to feel a little bit invincible in the way that like everything I was putting my hand to was just prospering. You know, it was like, try something just somehow it magically works in the, in the way of like, you know, we're just going to show up and see if they take this meeting and then it it would happen. Or like we'd get a a word back that something was going to take six months. And then I'd make a phone call and talk to just the right person. And, you know, it would get pushed through that afternoon. And so this electronic stopped working in our house. I was like, no problem. I'm going to, I know exactly what to do. I'm going to go replace it. And uh, it it was this really silly experience that afternoon, but it took all day. And at the end of the day, the electronic was still broken. And I remember going to sleep that evening and the Lord just revealing to me, uh, listen, this is my deal. If you want to try and do stuff in your own terms and, and feel like this is just like a Midas touch that uh, like, that's not going to happen. If you want to go in the flow of where the spirit's leading you, then yeah, that's what's happening here. And so to walk into parenthood that way, I mean, you all know when you experience um, frustration or a quandary that you're like, I do not know how to solve this problem, or I do not know what, where this behavior is coming from, or I do not know, you know, how to, how to teach this child, the skill or this lesson to have walked into parenting, recognizing, you know, I can get in flow and step with the spirit, or I can just try and do this on my own terms out of my own wisdom, which isn't going to take me very far. That was a really, really valuable lesson for me to learn early on. Another thing you said earlier on was uh, we're still learning in regards to parenthood. (laughs) And I think, oh my goodness, how many of us, no matter how many books you may or may not have um, read or how much studying you may have done in college or in other ways, are we really ready to parent, you know, and are we (laughs) equipped to do all the things? I don't think we can do it without the Holy spirit, without God's prompting and without his word to help direct us for, for the things that we will encounter in life. Right. Oh, absolutely. You know, I've been thinking so much about this recently, just the way that God created us with limits and the way that God from in the garden before there was sin, the way that we were created intentionally to need and uh, to need God to provide for us like that, that Adam and Eve in the garden still slept 
and they still needed to nourish themselves with food. And like, I often think of my limits and my weakness and my neediness as flaws, like that that's part of this broken world, but God wants me to need him. And I think the older I'm getting, and I have hopefully a lot more years to, to grow and learn too, but it's like just opening myself up to the realization that the more needy I am for God, the better things are going to turn out. Like the more that I think I know, I'm probably like setting myself up for failure there, right? (laughs) The more I admit that I don't know, and I'm just going to look to the Lord and don't get me wrong, Pam. I love to read. I love, I read all kinds of parenting books. I read all kinds of, you know, I love to read and learn more, but listening to the Lord is something that I'm trying to do more and more, the older that I get. And the more, the further I get into this parenting journey, uh, because he knows my kids better than I ever will. He is holding all of us. So just admitting my neediness as a mom is probably the best example I could give my kids. Which actually circles back around to that night you were laying down with the technology issue and the Lord saying, why do you think you got this thing figured out and doing it in your own strength? Because we were meant to co-parent with God, right? Yeah. I mean, like, like you said, and I, I honestly, I think sometimes Okay. So I have not adopted any children, but I know a lot of people who have. And I think sometimes there's the idea that people that were biologically yours have one set of issues and people that are adopted or fostered have a different set of issues, but yet we all have issues. We all have voids. We all have, um, areas that need to be refined and how else are we going to refine those without the Holy spirit? And also, you know, I, I have, I have nine children and every one of them is totally different. And Mm -hmm. the time I think I can figure it out. Oh yeah. I, I know I did this with this one. Now I know I can do, uh, uh, no God's zone. You may think, you know what you're doing, but you need (laughs) to come to me and, and see that child as an individual and, and talk to me about what I need to do about where, um, how I'm molding this child and their needs. So I don't know, random. (laughs) No, I love that. I mean, I, it's almost like sometimes adoption gives, I almost feel like it gives me a benefit in the sense that because this child has not been formed biologically from me, I don't assume that they will be like me, but I love Pam that you talked about how each one of your nine children is, it has, is their own person. And the sooner we're able to recognize that uh, God has his own specific plan in mind for each of these kids, that they're not just mini Jessies or mini Pams, you know, sent out into the world to do, to do life a little bit better, you know, version 2.0 of me. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's, I had stopped to remind myself of that from time to time, like, Oh, you know what? That's not this kid's jam. That's not her bent, but yeah, really valuable for us to keep in mind. Are there verses that you, that come to mind that maybe have walked with you on this journey or any songs that 
you know, play back. I, I realize sometimes as I, you know, there's certain songs that just speak to me in certain <laughs> times of my life. Um, well, I'll say when we were adopting Brooklyn Oceans was really popular as a worship song. And I have always loved that, um, that really, really scary prayer of asking the Lord to lead us beyond our own boundaries, to lead us, uh, you know, where the spirit is going and not, not where we would put our own stake in the ground. And the more I've been willing to do that, the scarier life has gotten. Maybe I, probably the more stressful life has gotten, but also just, ah, I'm so addicted to the feeling of the Lord doing something that I can't do in my own power. And that when you experience life on that level, you just can't go back. You know, I, I love the verse that Paul talks about that God is strong in his weakness. And, um, and also when he talks about pouring treasure into clay vessels, I mean, I'm really drawn to verses that just talk about my own weakness as a, as a human and God's power as God and, and being able to meet me and use me in my weakness. Mm, That's good. One thing I notice almost every single week as I talk to another mom is how much our communities impact our story and how much our stories can impact our communities. Have you, like, how did your community come around you? I know, like you said, the FedEx baby is one thing, and I'm sure (laughs) that had some residual ripples that you heard about from people. Uh, Maybe it was hearing your testimony through that that connected with someone? Have you seen other ways that maybe your community ministered to you or that you were able to reach out through your motherhood? Well, I mean, I think we have to admit that we cannot do motherhood in a vacuum, right? It's so, it can be such a lonely experience. And often we can pit ourselves against each other, uh, just in the way that we compare ourselves to other moms, compare our situations to other situations. And it just, it's, that sets us up for failure for sure. I've been so thankful to our church here in Memphis um, has a lot of adoptive families. So to be able to find myself in a community of friends that, that know firsthand from their own stories, kind of what that feels like and its own unique set of challenges. Um, it's really, really powerful for me. We have some organizations here in Memphis that provide really thoughtful care and therapies for uh, families like mine. And that's been such a gift to find. And um, even in being able to serve, my husband and I have been able to, to help coach and teach other families just some, some things that the Lord has shown us and, and taught us through our parenting journey. So yeah, we need each other. Right. (laughs) And you are right on the edge of saying it. I want to give you permission. Tell me about this. It's called empowered to connect and that's even nationwide. It is. Yeah. I do work part-time for empowered to connect. It's an organization that is, uh, in the past, they were closely connected with Show Hope based out of Nashville. And my husband and I found Empowered to Connect or, or ETC, as we call it for short, when we were looking for uh, just some other families to connect with that had adopted or fostered. And um, 
there was a, a parenting class, a curriculum that taught some, just some really helpful principles that honestly really mirrored kind of the heart of God and the way he parents us as his children, but also were very, you know, psychology and science-based and the way that our kids need support, especially if they've experienced trauma and adversity young, you know, early in life. And so we were able to, to really be blessed through that curriculum that Empowered to Connect offered. And so my husband and I have been training in a class called Empowered to Connect. It was a, it was a connect course. And uh, recently we've, I've been working with ETC um, as a training specialist, uh, helping to develop a new curriculum that we're rolling out in the next year. And it's called Cultivate Connection. And I really love the way that this organization has reminded me that God just has a heart for connection. He's created us to connect with him. He's created us to prioritize presence and relationship. And I would say it's, it's uh, changed the way I think about my whole life, not just my parenting. Yeah. Because it overflows. If we think about how our connections, how they can mold our children's lives. We were once children. We connect with other people. It's just all over, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now I'm going to link in the show notes, empowered to connect and people can access that from anywhere and look and see if there's something local to them. Am I right? Yes. uh, There are um, facilitators for this course all across the United States. Um, We're working on getting that to be global as well. We do have some programs in other countries. We also have a Empowered to Connect podcast too. So if if you love putting new podcast episodes in your queue, when you're you're listening to the mom next door, you can add some of those ETC podcast episodes too. I didn't know that at all. I'm so excited that you said that. And, you know, I'm always surprised how little we all know about resources. And obviously we only have so much brain space, right? So we're always getting introduced to new things and we think, oh, I wish I knew that that existed. What is that? Tell me about that. You mentioned show hope. Do you want to give Mm -hmm. me a sentence or two about what show hope is? Sure. Uh, It was actually originated by the Chapmans, um, Stephen Chapman and and his wife and and family. And we actually first worked with Show Hope with the adoption of our first child. They actually gave us a small grant that we were able to use when we were um, saving up money for all of those um, international adoption expenses. They've blessed so many families over the years uh, through adoption grants, but they also provide a lot of resources for adoptive families and community. And so they have a lot of resources for families that they're able to offer as well. Yeah. We've had some friends who have been supported through them. And the first time my husband and I came to Tennessee, not having any clue we would ever move here. uh, We were, we were here passing through on the way we stayed for a few days on the way to our son's army graduation in Fort Benning, Georgia. And we went just to kill a day, like what is here? What's in Tennessee? And we ended up in Franklin at this little Mm -hmm. shopping mall. We walked by this poster and it said, show hope looked a little closer on the sign. It said offices upstairs with an arrow on. And I thought, what in the world? 
this is this is one of the offices of show hope right here in this shopping center how exciting so of course it was a weekend so they were closed but my husband and i we went upstairs and took a picture of us in front of the sign because we were so excited for to have stumbled on to this little find <laughs> that's so fun i love that they've done so much to support families and um i'm i'm so thankful for them yeah yeah they have a wonderful heart for adoption the other thing i want to link in if you wouldn't mind giving a little okay I could say my experience with BSF is when I was still a single young lady, I was invited to Bible study fellowship uh, to come and grow in the word of God. I got married one of those first years of attending and loved BSF back then in those years, they, they didn't have a lot of opportunity for new moms. And so because I've had so many babies, there was a lot of years I would start a year, not be able to complete it (laughs) because I couldn't take my baby or I couldn't start the next year until I had weaned that one. Um, And then eventually they started having children's programs and preschool programs. And, and at one point my husband was going to the men's program and he was a children's leader. So he could take some of our elementary children with him. It, it, it is such solid teaching. And I know that we say that there's a four, uh, what do you call it? A four step approach of four different, You've four different it. ways. Yep. It's a fourfold approach. Okay. So tell me about BSF and like what your involvement has been through the years. Maybe. Sure. Um, well, my first interaction with BSF was actually in my family, my mom, Uh, started going to BSF and uh, became a leader. And I wasn't quite sure what she was doing. I just knew she was super committed to it, which seemed really strange to me as a college kid. I would come home from the weekends and she had a leaders meeting that she would attend across town in Atlanta. So if you know anything about Atlanta traffic, I mean, she was like sleeping in her clothes and waking up super early to go to this leaders meeting. I was like, what are you doing with these people? But it wasn't until some years later, I was finishing seminary. And to be totally honest, I was kind of sick of the Bible. I was a little, a little burned out on reading the Bible because um, I'd studied it for three years and it had become a textbook uh, that, you know, was my primary textbook in class. And so as I looked forward to um, kind of finishing that degree and moving beyond what would happen, I was a little alarmed that I didn't feel a desire to read the word for transformation any longer. It still felt like a textbook. And so I started attending a a BSF class. Ironically, it's the class that I am a teaching leader of now. So all those years later, you know, 15 years later, no, not 15. I'm terrible at math, you guys. But um, yeah, almost 10 years later, I guess I... I went through, it was actually the study of Matthew that year. And by the end of that year, I was like, thank you so much, BSF. What a solid study, you know, uh, to Pam's point, they study the Bible in four different layers, or they call it their fourfold approach. So you, you kind of have your own lesson questions that you read the Bible text and think about these questions. Boy, they really, they're so thoughtful and, um, I feel like the Holy Spirit just reveals so much through the word um, in that layer. 
And then the second layer is you discuss in community with a group of women, or they also have uh, young adult groups, they have men's groups, but you kind of get to go a little bit deeper as you hear what the Lord revealed to other people. And you get, you get to build community with this group of people in your group. And then the third layer is uh, there's usually a lecture that's given um, by a trained teaching leader. Also, I always really look forward to whether I'm listening to a lecture or whether I'm teaching as a teaching leader, just thinking about how that leads to applications to our daily lives. I've always really enjoyed that about the teaching layer. And then uh, the fourth layer is notes and the notes that BSF gives. It's like a little mini commentary on the passage um, super accessible, but oh, they're so rich. I think you'd probably agree, Pam. They're just really, really good and solid. So I loved, I loved my year of BSF, and I was a little bit like you. I took some breaks after that first year. I was like, "Thanks, BSF. I'm I can read the Bible for myself. I feel passionate about it about it again." And then um, I took a break for a few years, and it was after Rhett came home after my first child. We kind of had our bonding time and she was quite a busy little child. And I was looking for things to do outside of our home. And I heard that there was a day class for BSF that had a preschool program. And I was like, Oh, this sounds perfect. And I will never forget just sitting in the sanctuary after I dropped her off uh, for her first class and feeling so such just peace and excitement about um, doing something just for me, not only something just for me, but something that would pour into my heart spiritually. And uh, that was so transformative and just really wonderful years. I did that uh, with both of my children. Both of them went through the preschool programs and it was really special for Brooklyn because um, we were able to participate while she was listed for transplant and she got her transplant in the middle of the year that we studied revelation, her children's leaders sent her Bible verses and we posted them all over her hospital room in Chicago. And they would tell us that they were praying for her each week at their leaders meetings. Um, and we experienced the power of those prayers. So just really special. I've made a lot of really sweet heart friends in BSF leadership within the classes it's such a special part of my life. Mm, yes. Again, let's go back to your analogy of the briquettes, right? <laughs> we can have that initial uh, flash, uh, that right. ignition, but we need to keep pouring on and growing. We need to stay in the word. It is not icing on the cake. It is the cake, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes I think in a busy life of a mom juggling a lot of things, we, I know in my early years, I thought I'm going to do all the things. And at night (laughs) when I have some time to calm down, then I'll spend some time in the word. But if we don't spend our time in the word, we will not have the energy to go through and do the things, you know, to, to be, um, prepared, standing firm when the world hits us with these different things, all sorts of things, no matter where we are. Right. Yeah. And I think you would probably agree that BSF has grown and evolved over the years and really has a heart for reaching this next generation. And so uh, moms, if you're hearing this and you're like, man, I really wish I could participate. 
I would encourage you to jump in with your kids because there, it was so special to take my preschool aged children to BSF with me. And the thing that's so unique about it is that they study the passage you're studying that week. So you think that you can't teach revelation to kids. Well, my, you know, my two-year-old was learning the principle from the passage that week in an age appropriate way. And uh, while my adult group was discussing it, you know, this year in Matthew, the evening classes have a school program for kindergarten through 12th grade. And those school-age kids are walking through Matthew, the same exact passages that their moms are in the adult groups. And it's so neat to be able to connect with your kids as you're studying the Bible together. Really special for families. In my busy motherhood years, I've kind of boiled down spending time with the Lord and reading my Bible like this. I kind of equate it to food. You know, when we're Mm -hmm. super, super busy, we're running in and out of the house, we're juggling things and going crazy. We kind of sustain ourselves on snacks, right? (laughs) Right. The crust of the peanut butter sandwich. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Throw a hard boiled egg in your uh, zippy as you walk out the door and a few carrots and I'm good until I can stop and get a coffee. And then, and those are the times when we sustain ourselves spiritually with a posty note on the mirror and a little note on the steering wheel of our car. and, And we plant scriptures around. Those are snacks. We snack on scripture, right? And then there are times when we get to go away to a women's retreat or you know, somewhere where we really just linger and we dig in and that's the feasts, that's Thanksgiving, that's Christmas. Those are, those are the feasting times when we go away like that, but really the meals, the solid, solid meals that sustain us are things like BSF, where we are regularly going in and, and feeding on the word of God. And so that's one reason I am enjoying being in again, I'm going to the satellite group. So that is you're over in Memphis teaching. They pipe it into where we are over in Cookville. We watch you on video, but we get to have our small groups for discussion and support in that way. So I am so thankful for BSF. I'm thankful for meeting you and hearing the story of your life, your adoption and how Uh, your motherhood, spirit-led motherhood, uh, as you learn to walk with him and and have the Lord sustain you and his word sustain you through that has been a story of your life. So thank you so much for being here. And I want to ask if you would mind just praying for the moms that are listening as they walk out their story of faith. Sure. And thanks for having me, Pam. It was fun that the Lord connected us. It's amazing that he can use us all, all across the world and all across the country, just however he sees fit. So, yes. Well, let me pray for you all. Uh, God, I pray that as these moms are listening uh, today, that, that you would just give them some stillness that you would allow, even if, even if things are not still around them in their circumstances in their environment, God, I pray that you would give them stillness in their heart. And I pray that you would uh, find a way to pour into them, God, that they would hunger and thirst for you and for your righteousness, God. And I pray that I pray that they would seek to look to you above all things as they search for wisdom 
for being a mom, for being a parent. God, I pray that I just pray that you would pour into them, God, and that they would mother from the overflow, not from the strength of their own their own person or their own wisdom, God. Uh, only you have the wisdom and the power that that we truly need. We're so needy in order to parent. And may our kids see us as needy before you, God. May our kids see us leading them uh, with a dependence upon you. We thank you for supplying everything we need. And God, I just pray a blessing on these moms as they go into the rest of their day, uh, that you would show them ways to have a, a regular dinner in the scripture and that you would show them ways to walk in steps with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks, Pam. I hope that you've been encouraged or challenged in your faith today and that something we discussed prompts you to grow deeper in your walk with the Lord. If it has, make sure you tell a friend so they can grow along with you. And if you or a friend would like to be a guest and share about God's faithfulness in your life, please email me at podcast at Because when we tell of God's faithfulness, we never run out of stories. Whatever is true, whatever is known,